Is anyone out there who has a hard time knowing what to do with the hard things going on in the world around us here and in the world at large? You know, I've said this before on this podcast, but sometimes, and to my shame, I think it's because I become so overwhelmed by our world's, rea- our world's realities that I ostrich. You know, the old stick your head in the sand until it passes trick? Well, honestly, I think it's mostly because I feel helpless. Anyone out there relate? One of these hard things for me is the way is the way that we see people pursue power and use and abuse it to pursue an agenda. And all too often, we see pieces of this reflected in action during conflict or war. Now, I realize that this is not the only reason wars start and continue, but it certainly can play a role. And we see some of this in the very current situation with Russia and Ukraine. Over the past year, many of you have likely been following the news around Ukraine. Hungry for Life is a local nonprofit seeking to be part of eradicating needless suffering in our world and helping to connect those who want to and who can help with those who need it. They have had deep connections and have been involved in compassionate work in Ukraine for nearly 20 years. And with the Russian invasion back in February of 22, active involvement has continued and support remains. So what was it like for the people who are, who are vulnerable? What are some of the pieces that we don't really get to hear about? How do I engage with the Lord about this? How can I be praying? What can I do? Well, joining me today is Jeremy Roberts. Many of you have seen him expertly wail away on the drum kit Sunday mornings. He also serves our church as one of our elders. He teaches drum lessons. He's married to Chantel, and they have two boys, Grayson and Gavin. You've probably seen them running around. And he also serves at at Hungry for Life as their director of technology and as their office manager, and recently is home from a trip from being in Ukraine. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation and and some of these questions that I've asked you. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy, thank you so much for saying yes when I asked you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Holly, for having me. It's a pleasure to kind of share my experiences and a little bit of my journey and and kind of like where God has been leading me and, and us as an organization as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Hungry for Life has, has been involved in a lot of... Um, different different projects and different outreaches, different churches, different communities. And I know that there's a lot of people are in, in our church that mm-hmm. are familiar with Hungry for Life. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, and there's been a lot of people I know too who have been invested in Ukraine and whether or not that's been through HFL, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there's definitely a vested interest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a, a, a connection with Ukraine ever since we really started our organization. It was the first country we sent a team to and we've had people from from around here travel to Ukraine numerous times over the years, just about yearly, really. And uh, and so, having projects set up in there, it was when when the, you know the invasion happened, it really it really struck a chord and hit home. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know how it couldn't. That's for that's for sure. It was so. It was so close for a lot of people, and and so I'm looking forward to to chatting about that. But first, we let's give the listeners a little information on Jeremy Roberts. So, Jeremy, how long have you been at Chilliwack Alliance? Uh, my whole forty years of existence. Ooh, whole forty years <laughs> yep. plus the womb. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, your parents they're they're, they're still here. Who are they? Yep. How do we know uh, them? Yeah, Ron and Carol Roberts are my parents. They've been here. Oh, at the church. Oh boy, I might get this wrong. Probably since well, since the late seventies, okay. mid seventies, probably actually. Um, yeah, so from the old building on was it College in Henderson or something? Yes, correct. And then and then into this building when it was built in the early eighties. And so yeah, my parents help have helped out in many ways over the years. Sunday school teachers, uh, welcome center, you name it. Like they've been involved for for many years. Yeah. So so some of you listeners likely know Ron and Carol, or you've certainly seen them because they are they are active people as well. So that's so neat that you come from you come from heritage like that. Mm-hmm. So you also teach drum lessons. You're kind of like Batman. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Roberts kind of does it all. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been teaching drum lessons? Uh, probably my first student was when I was about 18 or 17 or something, somewhere around there. Okay. So do uh, the math people. He's 40 now. Right. (laughs) Over 20 years. Over 20 years. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's, it's something I really enjoy and I'm passionate about, uh, in a different way than Hungry for Life, but it's, yeah, I do that kind of on the side teaching probably about 12 or 13 students every week and kind of sharing my passion about the drum kit. Okay. I had no idea that you had that many students. Mm. That's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play. I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but we're going to play ourselves a little game here. Okay. It's called Name the Time Signature. Now, <laughs> um, Shani, so Jeremy's wife, Chantel, and I share an office. And I'm like, okay, what can I do here that might be a little bit fun? She's like, well, we play this game. And I thought, that's cool. I have no idea what a time signature is. So, Jeremy, as a drum teacher, could you tell us a little bit what a, a time signature is so that we understand what mm-hmm. this little game is? 
Well, so music is can be divided up into different uh, measures, which uh, basically have a number of beats in them. So a time signature is kind of how many beats are in a measure and what type of a note gets one count. So in most popular music, um, you, you'd be in a time signature called 4-4. Four, four. So if you like tap your foot or count along to the music, you'd be counting 1, 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. Something like that. But there's, of course, many other time signatures out there as well. Okay, and that's kind of the point of this game, <laughs> listeners. So I, did you teach Thomas Mordaunt? I sure did, yeah. Okay. From when he was 12 till a couple years ago. Okay, that's so cool because I had to ask Thomas. I'm like, you got to send me some songs because I, <laughs> oh, no. I don't know I don't know how to do this. So, oh, um, so these are these are songs that are coming from Thomas here. So I'm gonna play a song here on my phone. And so, hey, for those of you that are quick learners out there and you understand what a time signature is, maybe this will be also fun for you. But I'm I'm learning something here. So, Jeremy, here's the first song. I'm gonna play about 20 seconds of okay. it. And there could be multiple, but you probably understand that. Um, I have the answers because Thomas was gracious enough to give I them will, to me. So I, I, I will say I'm a little worried because <laughs> Thomas is exceptional at this. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'm I'm not doing this to put you on the spot in a, in a way. I think you're. I think you'll be fine. All right. So, um, okay. Here's the first one. Oh, how about I press play? How about that? Uh, I'm going to say, this is funny that I don't know this. I mean, I know the song, Beatles, but um, is it in seven? That was that was one of them. And well, there's there's a bar 4-4 four, four in there, I know Yeah, that. there's a 4-4. Four, four, <laughs> and there's a 7. There's a 7. Yeah. Uh, and there's more? There was, I might not <laughs> have played I might not have played the song long enough for okay. you to get. There was one that was 11. I'll use that as an excuse. Oh, an 11. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still don't really know what this means. So I'll play one more song. Um, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Um, okay, here we go. Oh. This is too old, I think. Yeah, it is. Is it 7-4? Seven, or seven eight, is it in seven? No, <laughs> no. it was not in wait, seven. Wait, 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 wait. You got the eight oh. part right. Oh, hold on. Seven, thirteen, thirteen. Is it in thirteen? It was nine and five. Nine and five. What's is that nine, possible? Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Nine and five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you oh, now see, you know why what? is Thomas giving me these questions? Well, you know <laughs> he's my teacher now. <laughs> well, now now you have something to talk to him about. Yeah, totally. It's like, hey, thanks for he's, he's throwing coming. me under the proverbial bus. <laughs> he's coming over a week from now, so <laughs> oh, I'll is he? Talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was that was fun. You know, just kind of spice oh, things up here awesome. on the podcast a little it. bit. Thanks for yeah. being such a great yeah. participants <laughs> participant. So okay, so I did a bit of online stalking in in the most non creepy way, <laughs> and in your. HFL staff profile, it talks about there being a point in your education where you felt a nudge to step away from the professional music scene hmm. um, and into the nonprofit world. Tell us a little bit about hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was interesting. So I was uh, I was studying music at Capilano University uh, for a couple of years, and um, I was really enjoying it. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, does this is this what I wanted to spend my life on, like just playing music, although I love playing music for sure. But um, you know, being a musician can be a hard life in terms of making a living and all that. And I don't know, I just kind of felt the, the call to kind of move into a different direction. And that's in part because at the same time, Hungry Flife was just starting up and I was just hearing about it. Um, it had its beginnings in a Shekinah uh, worship ministry, which is, was a once a month uh, worship service we had here, here at actually our church. Um, at Chilock Alliance. And so I was part of that and so heard kind of right from the beginning that they wanted to start up this ministry that, that was more than just a worship service, but actually, you know, helping people around the world. And, uh, and so I was really intrigued at first. And because, because there was still that component of worship uh, when Hungry Flife started, um, it made sense. I'm like, hey, I can still use my musical gifts 
um, but use them in this other way that, um, for me at least, has more more purpose and is more life giving than than just playing music. Mm. That's really that's really neat. So you had been a part of a band mm-hmm. out, even outside of Shekinah, mm-hmm. the Shekinah band, and so it just it kind of in steps. It sounds yeah. like just yeah, for sure. And I knew always knew like I'm not not like not like I'm giving up on music and going away from it, but just that it wasn't my main focus in life. And uh, so yeah, that I mean it wasn't wasn't a quick decision, but it wasn't really a hard decision either. It just kind of made sense that I would follow God's leading in this way. Yeah, that's that's really neat. So your roles with HFL haven't necessarily been um, ones that have involved a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about how it, it, it morphed for you from being banned, you know, being part of the Shekinah band, mm-hmm. the worship band, and the transition into an office and... Mm-hmm what the role that you now currently hold, because I know that you also haven't held this role right. um, for, long time, well, for yeah. a long time at all. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first little, for the first few years, I was helping more, yeah, with the Shekinah worship side of things. So kind of an administrator for it and helping the band figure out details. And if we go play somewhere, figuring out details and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and probably hel- probably did that for Oh man, maybe like five, six years, something okay. like that. And then from there, um, uh, I became more involved in in other ways with regarding like our communications marketing department. So, because um, I've always also had an interest in technology, like computers, um, websites, like web stuff, and and so I had an interest in that. And we didn't, you know, at the beginning, the organization is starting up, so we didn't have like a whole lot of experienced staff that knew how to build a website or knew how to do this. So. Um, I just took it upon myself to start learning that stuff. And um, so for, for a number of years, I kind of did a little bit of the worship stuff and then moved in a little little bit more of like uh, websites, which then led into like an, another one of our staff members at the time. He was kind of a, a mentor for me and kind of showing me or, or teaching me how um, how a lot of principles work in, in design and um, you know, what good design is and that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I did a bit of design work, um, website uh, video editing, all that stuff, which then led me to eventually leading the communications department for for a few years. And what was that like for you? Was that was that challenging? Uh, or? It was, yeah, it was challenging in its own way um, to actually have like leading a department that people are responsible uh, that you're responsible for, you know, providing great resources on what Hungry Life is about um, and all that sort of stuff, and managing the team. Uh, but yeah, I felt I felt fulfilled in that role for a number of years and had a great, great team. Again, it's I think because of the way we work, um, uh, every staff member raises their own support to come on on staff. So everyone's got a real big desire to be there. It's not just another job. It's a real passion for people. Mm-hmm. And and so I think because of that, like that's that's helpful in building a great team for sure. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that role for, for a number of years and then just felt again, God's calling to, to move in a different direction. We, we had a need in the, the IT side of things to, as we were growing, we're like, okay, we're lacking in this area now. And this is an area where if we don't grow in this and get better in, in our, our systems and structures in IT, IT world, then we're not going to be able to grow as much. And so I was approached to be able to kind of lead that team. Uh, it was probably about three years ago now. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was at the beginning of 2020 or so. Okay. And um, and we weren't sure that was going to be a full-time position, like use up all my time right away. So so then kind of the office manager kind of part of my role came into being as well, as well as still doing a little bit of communication stuff, still doing a little bit of other admin stuff. So, yes, I've had my hand in almost every department, almost it feels like over the years. Yeah, well, and it sounds like, honestly, Jeremy, like, that you've had a hand in helping create some pretty substantial departments, mm. you know, because the communication, the the material that Hungry for Life puts out, both to the supporters and um, anybody else who has been invested in that way is is excellent, like mm. ex- excellent quality. Like the content is excellent, but then even how even how it's presented mm. is Thanks. is incredible and. And, and now to move into this other, you know, into this other area, which it's it's probably like the lowest on my 
<laughs> list of skills, but but having again being being part of a team that is intentionally preparing for growth so that mm-hmm. so that the organization organization can can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah. So you talk about people being there, and I I identify with this because I work you know um, with people who raise support as well, and mm-hmm. yeah, it is a different it is a different crowd of people mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so what you talked about passion and, you know, they're really motivated. What, because I got to be honest, your skill set for life is, is very different than mine. <laughs> um, and when I had asked you a little bit before about, well, maybe it wasn't even a question, but just stating that your job hasn't, your role there hasn't necessarily involved a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is partially motivating to me. Mm. Um, not just that, but there's there's some really great things about it. So, what motivates you? What keeps you, what keeps you interested in investing in in this mm-hmm. kind of work? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think hearing the stories of what's happening, mm-hmm. like the work that we're doing here in the office on this side, what that's contributing to, that's huge. Like, so uh, sometimes it's we we get video footage or a little video story of someone that's been impacted. Um, that type of thing. And just hearing those stories is really, really valuable to know that the work that we're doing is, is making an impact. And it's not even like the way we work. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily our projects and us doing the work um, in these countries where we're facilitating relation, partnerships and relationships mm-hmm. between groups here and uh, communities in need. And so it's also to then hear the stories on this side of the world. What, like how is a church being impacted from um, the work that they're doing and helping. Um, and so to hear kind of the reciprocal uh, relationships that are being built and, and continue to flourish over years, it's, that's really cool to hear. And so for, for me personally, um, like right now with like the things that I'm doing in the IT world, um, I know that a lot of these systems that we're building are helping us work more efficiently um, and just better as a team. And, and therefore, because we're able to work you know, better as a team, then we can accomplish more, impact more people. And again, hearing those stories of, of people's lives that are changing for, for the better is, is, is really, really impactful. I love, I love that. And quite frankly, listeners, I, I love people like, like Jeremy, who, who don't seek to be the people who are what most people would consider to be, you know, the one in front, the one in charge, mm-hmm. the one um, that people see, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm typically more of that person, mm. and and I see how you make us successful, and mm. and and how you embrace the idea of team and what it means to work um, as part of a team in support of each other. And so, listeners, for those of you who have gifts similar, you know, to what Jeremy might have, um, just want you to be encouraged that when you are investing those gifts. Um, your your value on a team or in a church is is really quite significant because those of us that get to go and do some of these things because of how we're gifted and the call that that we have um, can't do it without people like you and Jeremy who make us efficient who um, I mean I, I couldn't plan my way out of a paper bag sometimes and so to have people who can help me set goals and things like that is really is actually really important to me so thank you so much mm-hmm. for the work yeah. For the work that you do now, I understand, and we're really going to get to the guts here of you know of this conversation because I am cannot wait to be hearing about Ukraine because mm-hmm. you had uh, like you recently came back mm-hmm. from a trip to the Ukraine. So give us um, give us a little bit of an idea about what the trip was about, um, the kinds of things that you were tasked to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of that is emergency aid. So if you could just kind of explain sure. a little bit because I think most of us have an idea of it, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. that we actually really know outside of, oh, yeah. emergency aid is food. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, just to give some context and backstory, um, so two of our employees, Chad and Mary, a married couple, um, she's Ukrainian, and they moved back to Ukraine. Her family's all from Ukraine. They've lived in Canada a number of years. They moved back to Ukraine a year before uh, the invasion um, to, because for some personal reasons, they had a house that there was, they were in the middle of building and all this sort of stuff. And um, and they just finished their building their house a month before the war broke out, and because of how uh, connected they are, and her family's kind of spread across the country, um, we were they with her family were able to be um, such an integral part, especially at the beginning of the war, getting getting aid to people all across the country um, through a network that we kind of created. 
uh, distribution points and all this sort of stuff, as well as their house being able to be a, a haven of rest for people that were mm-hmm. fleeing from the east towards the west um, and to either leave the country or just to get away from, from the fighting. And so really all of last year was was kind of implementing um, uh basically having donations come in, being able to implement um, food and aid going out to people that needed it, that were either stuck in a, in a place or couldn't leave or, or just were yeah, impacted in so many ways. And so kind of fast forward to last fall, um, we had the opportunity for our staff to be able to travel and be a part of some of these distributions to see where, you know, for us who do work in the office more, um, to see, you know, exactly what all we were doing in the office and how that's contributing to, to people's lives being impacted. So we had a trip last fall for some of our staff and then again just a few weeks ago for some more of our staff, which is the trip that I was on. And so all that to say, um, just a brief kind of recap of the trip was uh, we, we spent a couple of days kind of gathering supplies and packing, you know, bags of stuff to give out and then traveled from the west <clears throat> more up to the central northern part of the country just a little bit a little bit west of Kiev, the capital city, and and spent a few days in that area, um, seeing the devastation, the destruction, uh, giving people supplies and hampers and personal necessities, uh, visiting with people in their homes who have lost loved ones or mm. or their homes have been destroyed. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, and yeah, just it, I mean, we weren't there like it feels like it went by so fast because we were only like total trip time was was ten days, and only in those more affected areas for about three to maybe four days, I guess. And so it went by real quick, but that was a, yeah, real quick snapshot. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. What, like, where, where did the supplies come from? Did, where are they, um, they continuing to have lines run through from other parts in Europe or, or were there things that you brought? Yeah, uh, kind of a mix. So we brought with us, um, so there was, there was about, oh, how many of us were on the team? Like eight or so. And so we each got uh, three checked bags on, on that we were allowed to bring on the, the plane. So we actually had these big bins that we, we used as our bags that we brought uh, used uh, clothing from here okay. and toys for kids and a few other supplies, cooking supplies and whatever. So we brought stuff with us just because why not? We yeah. wanted to bring stuff. Um, but then the majority of the stuff is purchased in, in country in Ukraine. Or, I mean, I think most of it right now is, is still purchased in the country. Some of it has over the course of the year been purchased in neighboring countries and brought in. Um, but really, the more you can uh, buy in country, then the more it supports that economy yeah. as well. So the, the west side of the country is is not not nearly as impacted as the east and south of the country for from the, the conflict. So you've still got, you know, stores, grocery stores and everything that have stuff. And so mostly, and if, right now it's not, Food isn't really the biggest necessity right now, at least in the places where we're we're going. It's more um, personal necessities like shampoo, uh, soap, uh, toothbrushes, um, and then other things like shovels um, and rakes and hoes and stuff to kind of start so they can like you know garden and and have a bit of income from that and grow food and and all that type of stuff. Okay, so these are just some of the differences that that we might see and what this aid looks like from. Mm from when the war started so food's yeah. no longer so much of a thing it's now yeah yeah it's kind of more transitioned and i think yeah. i mean in some cases there are there is food needed and that's but some of the bigger aid organizations have been taking care of that over okay. the last little while as well because um, at the beginning of the war it was like honestly like our our organization was one of the few that was that was in there helping in the first little bit um, certainly not saying anything bad about any other organizations but but they were just not in a position to be able to help because they were either either right in the middle of the conflict and, and kind of trying to figure out themselves mm-hmm. um, how, to, how to deal with things. Um, and just because of the way our, partners, or our um, yeah, partnerships were strategically placed, it just opened up uh, a wave of, of aid that we were able to, um, to provide at the beginning and continue to tell now. Yeah, per- like perfectly situated really where, yeah. you know, where Chad and Mary and the family is, mm-hmm. you know, in the mm-hmm. Western part and yeah. what they have access to again, because of, you know, these years long partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's pretty significant. It's pretty significant. Yeah. And so oh, that's really neat. So what, um, what did you see or hear, you know, feel like the senses, you know, mm-hmm. using all of the senses, I guess, um, there's a lot of things that we see on the news. Um, but what, what were maybe some of the differences or how does it compare with, with what you saw? So what we're seeing on the news, yeah, what, what, 
what was it actually like? Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of similarities or was it actually different? I mean, yeah, kind of both. Like, I mean, we weren't near the front lines. So, I mean, if there's any, yeah, if you saw Mm -hmm. anything on the news about that, we weren't right where the fighting was, but we saw the effects of the fighting. And so um, in those areas that we were in the middle of the trip, um, those had just been decimated um, like a year ago. By, by the Russian army coming through with their tanks and just blowing up buildings. Um, yeah, just just creating chaos. And, and so that was really sobering to see. Um, it's one thing to see it on the news um, or even a sh- in, you know, in a show about you know, war or anything like that. Um, it's a whole nother thing to be there and to, to actually take in the fact that Yep, that's where an apartment building blew up where people were living, and mm-hmm. now they're either dead or they maybe they survived, but they have nothing left. Um, or to see just the, yeah, the shell casings everywhere and all this sort of stuff, tanks blown up on the side of the road. And, um, yeah, in, in a lot of those areas, it's just like one thing after another after another. There's like no end to it, it seems. I mean, and so, yeah, that, that was hard, and you have this sense like initially a sense of sort of even though the fighting wasn't there there's a sense of like almost panic Mm. in a sense um not that i was worried for my safety at that moment but just like just i don't know this sense of like this is just terrible terrible stuff has happened here um yeah so that was hard at, at first and then i mean as we continued on it was just more like seeing and hearing the stories from the people that's that's hard to hear like um yeah so many so many stories of loss of having to hide out for you know days on end or sometimes weeks on end in a little cellar because there's russian troops you know in your yard or this or that Mm -hmm. and 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 just you know people's family members have been killed and um yeah so yes that was it was hard (laughs) in that respect yeah yeah i believe it you know i you know i've seen yeah, I've seen some of the footage, and there's there's still a sense where we're pretty removed from it here. Like mm-hmm. it's, um, I mean, there was a point actually where I just have had to stop watching the news for periods of time because mm-hmm. I just would weep because mm-hmm. not knowing how to deal with it, but then yeah. being present where you're where you're actually experiencing not again because you weren't there when when the fighting and the invasion happened, but the after effects are yeah sobering mm-hmm. is is such a good word for it because it, you feel the realness of it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in different ways and I, I i can identify with that a little bit after you know being in certain areas of the middle east recently and um you know meeting people in refugee camps and knowing knowing that their stories exist mm-hmm. but then hearing the details yeah of those stories um it's just it's quite remarkable what people can do to each other mm-hmm. or what people can do in general yeah yeah and to you know be face to face with the rebel and um i would i yeah i understand a little bit about what that feels like and it's hard to put into words mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um were you made aware of something that you didn't know or realize before you went on the trip um like we were pretty well prepared like um we knew what we were we were getting into and going for and um i think yeah it's kind of it was interesting because in the west part of the country where we started started and ended our trip there like life just goes on like normal like people are working their jobs they're going out for coffee the stores are going and on the surface everything seems normal of course people experience so much trauma even if them themselves have not been in the war zone just the fact that there is obviously a war going on and their their area where they're living could be bombed at any time or or they have relatives in in the east or whatever so but from the surface it seems like everything's kind of normal and so that was that was kind of weird at first because i knew we were going here and you know there's this huge this huge cloud hanging over things but it seemed normal at first then we went to the middle of the country and then the further east you go the more you realize, okay, yeah, this is real. Like, yeah, you can see the effects of, you can visibly see the effects of, of what's happened in the last year. And then, and then to start to hear the stories. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know 
if that necessarily surprised me. It was just another reminder of um, there's so many layers of trauma, like the people that have been directly affected and then the indirect effects. Mm. And even for our staff members who, um, again, they've not directly had people like their family members die, but hearing the stories over and over has indirectly led to trauma. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, we were prepared for that. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's another thing to experience it, though. I guess. Yeah. What were, um, you know, what were, what's a story that maybe sticks out mm. to you? Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, there's, you know, not necessarily serving a purpose because I certainly don't want to exploit, mm-hmm. you know, people's stories. Um, but, you know, what's something that sticks with you? Mm-hmm. Well, there's kind of two. St- well, there's probably more than two, but two that I can think of right now. Um, one lady we visited, uh, the last team had visited her as well back in the fall. and uh, But her story is, uh, there's a few layers to it, but one thing was uh, when when the Rush, when Russia was advancing on her town, um, her, her neighbor's house was on fire and uh, from a bomb or something. And then, so she went in to rescue her neighbor and, and pulled her out. And this is like an, a lady that's, you know, probably in her f- mid to late fifties, something like that. Um, and she, yeah, risked her life to go pull her neighbor out of the burning house. And then in the process, the Russian troops were firing on her and she got shot in the arm and yet she was still going to help her neighbor obviously too. Um, and, and she also had Russian troops living, I think in her house or in her cellar or something like that. And uh, I think that was before. And then she came back or something and just unbelievable stories of like getting shot at and surviving but like how much trauma that's been through like so again stories like that are just impactful from hearing them so Um, was she more in the middle of the country or was she up in that area that was um just outside of kiev like yeah that was yeah she was kind of in that area it's a little bit so essentially russia had come in from belarus in the north um and then kind of down and then and then through like the main highway to then try to get to Kiev. And uh, so her town was kind of right in there. I can't remember the name of the town off the top of my head right now. Um, Oh, that's all right. But yeah, Yeah. but yeah, right, right in the middle. And, and so this whole kind of area we were in, you could kind of see, well, you, yeah, you could see actually the, the tire, uh, the, the the tracks, the track markings from the tanks. Yeah. Where they had gone through on the highway and then in some of the streets or whatever, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Yeah, so there's visible reminders yeah. everywhere that. Yeah. So then another story that touched me specifically was we did a distribution um kind of in this general area. It was a little bit further over. Um and so we had yeah, these like hygiene packs and whatever that we were giving out and and so we did that and well, it was actually really cool because the it wasn't just us going somewhere and saying, hey, here you go, here you go, and just giving people randomly stuff. Uh, but we had worked with, uh, our partners had worked with the, I think the mayor of the city, uh, who mm-hmm. would then assess, okay, who are the people that actually need the most help? Okay. Because it's not like we have infinite resources. We can't help every single person in this town. But um, but yeah, she gathered 100, I think it was around 130 people that were the most, uh, in most of need of this of these packs. And so kind of gathered together and this kind of town square sort of thing. And we, uh, we handed them out and there, it was, it was cool cause there's, uh, kind of a presentation and a prayer time and then, mm. and then giving them out. Um, and then right at the end, uh, we were, we were pretty much done and just going to pack up. And this one lady that had received something was just kind of standing around and then we were all talking and then she, I was kind of on the outside of the circle and she just grabs my arm and is all acting. I don't know how to describe it. Sort of, funny like uh like joking almost and but i know she was saying and then they interpreted that uh she was she was very very thankful for what we had given her and she wanted me to come and see her house and i'm like oh that's kind of cool sure i'll come see her house so we walk kind of down the road and around the corner so just me her and then and then chad was with me as well for um interpreting and uh walk around the corner and i don't know what i was expecting to see i guess i was expecting like just a small house whatever but forgetting the fact that the reason she was get, give, given this pack was because she was, her house had probably been really destroyed. So yeah, we get around the corner and she stops and like there's this empty lot there. And that's 
where a house had been, like rubble, a little bit of rubble still there, but there was no house. It was destroyed. And, but at the back of the lot, there was um, a little sort of temporary, like shipping container size, temporary housing, basically, that another, I guess, organization come in and help put these up for, for residents around the area. So first of all, that hit me that, oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. Yeah. She has no house. And, but she took us back there and open open the door and yeah just like a one room little thing with a bed and a and a and a sink and but not much else and then she yeah she she wanted to bring me back there because she wanted to give me a gift and i was like what mm. like why are you giving me a gift so yeah she proceeded to give me this um this sweet bread as a mm. token of appreciation and i I just could not un- believe that. I was like, "There's why are you wanting to bless me with something like that's I'm here to help you and yet here she is hmm. blessing me and so yeah, that was that was that was really touched me and it was kind of an emotional time for me and a good reminder of you know, actually I've seen this in a lot of places that I've traveled to just it's people are are hurting but they're but they're also very thankful for relationships. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even necessarily that we had just given her something and she wanted to give back. But I think she's she's kind of known about the relationship that our group has with the the people in that area and trying to help them. It's not the first time that that I guess our partners have been there to to mm-hmm. to distribute stuff. And so just the yeah, I guess just a reminder of how much how important like relationships are and. And not just going and dropping off aid and leaving, but building relationships is is key to long term, uh, long term development and long term uh, even relief. Like, yeah, because yeah, really they're they're still in the they're still in the relief stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's mm-hmm. I I can't remember. It's like like emerge like emergency like we yeah. we've got to take care of this right now and mm-hmm. that's you know those early stages but relief can last for a while depending mm-hmm. on how long the crisis is and then eventually you you morph out into you know into greater areas of development so mm-hmm. that you know so that their future can become something yeah. better and different than than it currently is mm-hmm. um in regards to the crisis mm-hmm. but you're right Jer I totally agree like there is something about there's something about being able to see somebody and communicate value, Mm -hmm. you know, in the midst of, and I, especially I think of the situation with, you know, the reasons for the invasion, which aren't totally clear, but you know, there's certainly some underlying nuances Mm -hmm. of abuse of power and, and certainly agenda and how, um, so many of these people, and I would even, I would even guess to say, you know, even some of the Russians where there's no value for their life, Mm-hmm. You know, we just will go and we'll exploit and, um, you know, and if people die along the way, well, it's for a greater cause that very few people seem to buy into. I mm-hmm. mean, you see you see accounts of that all through history and mm-hmm. people are still reaping the consequences of that. But um, this is one thing that we talk about on our missions teams a long time for a long time, because, you know, you go in some of these places and we have all of these great hopes and expectations to the, to be a part of doing these amaz- amazing things mm-hmm. for people. And more often than not, plans change, you know, when you yeah. get in country and, mm-hmm. you know, you know the drill. And, and so people sometimes can start questioning, you know, the point of the trip. And i thinking, you know what, you really don't understand the value of you being physically present yeah. in the life of somebody in some of these places, remote or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, oh gosh, the, these stories that you're talking about, I think, oh, thank God that that somebody can communicate value mm, mm-hmm, to them and whether mm-hmm. they understand that their value, like that their value is from God and that God values them in those moments mm-hmm. that at least that there's one of his representatives that yeah. are, you know, helping mm-hmm. to see them. And that I think that's, I, I would hope that that's even a little bit hopeful. Yeah. So how do you, um, you know, you talk about it being an emotional thing and, I mean, uh, sitting here listening to you, I can hear it in your voice, and I'm, I'm feeling parts of it along with you. Like I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been in that situation, in that same way. So, what? How do you engage with the Lord about this stuff? I mean, you are in a place that has been ravaged 
by mm-hmm. war and continues to be and you know in, in other yeah. parts but again you like you were talking about it's it's not like it's in the back of anybody's mind you know it's just like mm-hmm. this imminent this imminent possibility yeah. of that what's happening over there could be happening to them and you're engaging and you're you're handing out very simple items that are easy for us to access and you know you're just engaging with these things that are a little bit foreign to us over here in the in the protected in the protected mm-hmm. West. Mm-hmm. So how how do you, how have you been engaging and interacting with the Lord? Well, one thing, thing, one thing when I, I don't remember if I started re- kind of reciting this to myself before the trip or it was just at the beginning of the trip or whatever, but um, there's that line from the song, I think it's Hosanna, uh, Hillsong song, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of like my, my prayer, I guess, that, that my heart would be broken for these people and what they're going through. And because we're so sheltered here in Canada and, and I knew even like I was only there for 10 days total. So coming back, I was like, how am I going to kind of remember this and not just kind of put it out of my mind? So that it kind of became something I would say to myself, just that I would be kind of impacted ongoing from from this and that um that lord would kind of reveal to me i guess how can i live how can i like how is this going to affect me moving forward personally like how can i live my life in such a way continually that um that puts value in people um like in little little ways i guess to value every every person's life it's not like i don't but i guess to always be remindful of that and then obviously to re remembering the Ukrainian people um but it's a hard one because it's not like it's not like I can fix all their problems Mm. at all (laughs) and it's not it feels like such a small drop in the bucket of what I was there to do and so like how I know I I know we made a difference because like we heard it time and time again Mm -hmm. like you kind of said it earlier too but about like just being there people were so thankful they would say that over and over. They were just so thankful you came and to be with us, to hear our stories. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's obviously, it's so unjust as to what's happening there. And I don't, yeah, I, I can't really fathom, like, why? Like, I mean, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to us in Canada one day. Who knows? But, so, I don't know. It's it's this weird mix of, like, knowing that God was was with us on that trip, knowing that he had me there for a purpose and wanting to be reminded of, um, I guess the whole situation every, every day really, as I live my life. Why was it important for you to want to be impacted? You know, like you, I, I just so appreciate that, like your prayer, whether or not it was at the start of the trip or, you know, even, even at the end, um, why was it important for you to, to, ask God to break your heart for the things mm. that break his. I just find that so interesting mm. and curious. And I know I didn't prepare you for no, that question, um, but I, I, th- I think it's telling. Yeah. I, well, I think because honestly, I just, again, because I'm so sheltered here in Canada that I feel like I would easily forget. Mm. Uh, well, actually two reasons. There's that. And then also to really be in the moment and taking, like when I was there to be in the moment and taking in these stories and like, feeling their pain in a sense as well like um I didn't want to just I was also kind of like one of the main like photographers videographers of the trip okay it's kind of documenting the trip so I didn't want to only be looking through the lens of a camera the whole trip I mm-hmm. wanted to be in the moment and hearing the stories and and um yeah to be really empathetic I guess in the situation so yeah so I think that and then and then just so that every day I can be mindful of like, how is this going to impact me here? We're Mm. in our safe bubble, but, but I I don't know that just really, that should just, I mean, I'm thankful for that for sure. I am. And, but also like, how can I, I don't know, just living, living for God in your, in your everyday life, not forgetting the people around the world that are hurting. Um, and, and also making that be an effect on me here. Like, sure. There, there's, there's, tons of people hurting here too so but why would i why would i only care about the people that are hurting around the world Mm -hmm. and not people that are hurting here Mm -hmm. so i feel like sometimes that can happen i just get 
yeah, I do my job at Hungry for Life, and that's contributing to helping people around the world. But sometimes I feel like I forget about hmm. people here too. So I, that's probably part of the prayer. Oh, thank you, thank you for that. I, I just, I really appreciate your answer, and you know, it makes me makes me think too. I mean, I do a lot of missions trips, mm-hmm. and and I really honestly hope that there's never a day where I have to stop doing that because I think if if I stop being impacted. Um, if I stopped learning things, then that would be a time for me mm. to step back from doing that. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I think, too, sometimes, you know, we have all kinds of good intentions on going. Saying missions trip, not that yours wasn't a missions trip. It, it certainly was. But they, they look so different from each other. Not everybody's mm. going to be distributing aid and, you know, hearing, you know, some of these, some of these horrors. Um, but oftentimes, I think, mistakenly and not even inadvertently, because um, I think, everybody that goes on a missions trip has excellent intentions, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they've got all the right reasons for going. Um, but oftentimes not being and really trying to experience it. And like you said, you know, finding empathy. And I just really appreciated your answer because those are, those are what's going to be transformative, not just feeling good about what you did Mm -hmm. and, and bringing that home. Mm -hmm. Um, because those warm fuzzies really, they, they don't last they don't last very long, but mm-hmm. to, to pray and to continue to allow God to impact you through that, I think is what makes it a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, yeah, I really appreciate your thoughts on that. Were there, mm-hmm. were there any questions that you found yourself asking God? And this is maybe an assumptive question because I, I feel like if I was in that situation, there would be a whole lot of questions that mm-hmm. I just would have trouble with because how, how do I reconcile some of these, some mm-hmm. of these different things. Were there any questions that you just had to ask God because of what you were seeing, and maybe you're even still asking some of those questions? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the first, the because it's the first time I've been in that situation where where you see the effects of war. Obviously, there's those questions of like, yeah, why, mm-hmm. why did this have to happen to these people? Um, it's not like they were the instigators and then it turned on them or anything. I don't know. It's, it's so it's like obviously the questions of why, but I know he's sovereign as well. And that throughout history, there's been tons of stuff like this. And so he is somehow using it for his purposes, <laughs> which, yeah. I, and, and, and you do hear stories of, of people, you know, putting their faith in God through this time. And so it was encouraging to hear certain things like that, but it's, it's yeah, very, very hard to, to hear the stories of the families that are torn apart and, and all that. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's really that question of, I don't understand why this is happening. Like why, why would God let this happen in a sense? Right. But I think just um, having the mindset that through through terrible things, God can still use people and draw people to him. And so I'm, I'm even actually just the, the idea of the country banding together as, as, as Ukraine, uh, as a, as a people. Um, although it's terrible circumstances, like you see people helping out their neighbors and giving away food to their neighbor because they have enough and their neighbor has nothing. Um, or even like some of the shovels we were bringing to this one community, um, the, the army actually came to them and said they could use the shovels. And mm-hmm. so the community willingly gave the army the shovels to use on the front lines. And and so, yeah, you hear stories like that and you think, well, I guess in a sense, like there's there's some good in a, in a sense coming out of this. But yeah, I don't know. It's still something I, I wrestle with. Like, why do people have to go through these terrible things um, when they really did nothing? Yeah. It's hard when, I mean, I would have those same questions. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really would. And, and, and I, th- I think I do. And, and it's just, it's hard when people have the ability to choose. You know, I think that was, sometimes I wonder if that was one of God's greatest sacrifices, hmm. you know, in, and maybe even greatest acts of love is, you know, at the very beginning, giving, giving choice, fully knowing hmm. that this is, this is what we would do with it. And I see yeah. we, we collectively, like I'm not, I'm not Russia. I'm not in any sort of government leadership. Um, but I mean, I, I do things too that are, 
you know, sometimes reprehensible, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, the, in light of what sin is and what holiness is. Um, and it's easy sometimes, I think, for me to sit here and boil it down to some of those equations, you know. Um, but I think that's, too, that's our reality is this is what living in a broken world looks like. And these mm-hmm. are legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. And we have a legitimate p- place to find, you know, to find the truth yeah. yep. in that. But that doesn't make the wrestle any less hard when, when you're looking something straight in the face, when you're looking evil and mm-hmm. the, the consequences of somebody's evil decisions in the face in, of the suffering mm-hmm. um, of people. So you, you talked about some of the stories and, and some of the good things that we're hearing. So, in, uh, you know, as an answer to some of, you know, to some of those questions, how else, how else has God been, you know, nudging you, you know, talking like as, as you're, and I understand that sometimes debriefing this um, can sometimes take a, a while, you know, like we're continually opening packages mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. gifts that the Lord gives us after <clears throat> different experiences. And so I'm just, I'm just curious, like, how is he continuing to speak to you or so what are some of those things that he's continuing to show you as, you know, you've been home now for, mm-hmm. for a few weeks? Um, what does that look like? Um, I think kind of something that's sort of under the surface that's kind of bubbled up, I guess, so to speak. Um, just the, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like how fragile life is mm-hmm. and, and short, um, and can be, can be cut short any time. And so really to make, make the most of what I'm doing mm. with my life and, and make wise decisions that are godly decisions. Like, and even in my family, like making sure that I'm loving my kids as I should be and not, um, you, you talk about like, um, like, like sin, like uh, through sin, we, we each want to focus on ourselves and please our own desires. And, and so even the idea of making sure I'm investing in my kids and putting, putting them like ahead of me in a sense, um, so that they, I don't know, just spending time with them and, like all those things kind of are put into perspective when you see like families mm. that are ripped apart and don't have the chance to have another day with their kids. Um, and so I've been definitely processing that more about, okay, well, I don't need to get everything done on my to-do list this weekend. Mm. I need to spend time with my kids. That's something I struggle with because for like, that's just the way I'm built is I, I, I like my to-do lists and like getting things done and, and whatever. But, um, kind of boils down to relationships again and and I want to have a great relationship with my kids and, and my wife so I need to spend time with them and, and same with the Lord like spending intentional time getting to know getting to know God through scripture and prayer and making that time intentional and and like when we were when we were in Ukraine we were I mean we had a schedule and we were doing specific things but we also had time a bit of downtime to reflect and to um just be there and, and listen to and listen to our partners and um, like some like when I say our partners like Mary's sister was and her family are one of our main partners in that area and so to hear their stories and just to be with them and share with them and that again just reminds me of the importance of relationship and, and investing in relationships and uh, so that's kind of something I probably didn't expect to get out of it or mm-hmm. didn't realize would be a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great reminder. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate, I appreciate that. It's, it's so funny because, you know, as, as I was preparing for this podcast, I, you know, I just, I was so looking forward to hearing just about mm. what it was like for you. And, uh, you just always never know what you're going to get, you know, and, mm. and, and, in and through some of these conversations. And so some of, you know, some of my questioning for you was around, gosh, I don't know what to do with the situation in, you know, that's happening mm-hmm. over there because I feel incredibly helpless. And, you know, it's just something that is, is just really quite foreign to me, even though I, you know, I've had, ha- I have had experience in, you know, in places that have been devastated by war and terrorism and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's never been in, in such a way of, you know, where I've been distributing aid and mm-hmm. being in some of those, you know, those very specific situations. So, um, 
And so, you know, that's where a lot of this questioning came from is, mm. you know, and how do, how do we engage with the Lord about these things? Because I feel helpless. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are in a conversation with you and, you know, some of this transformative work in, in this incredibly terrible, horrific situation that, that there's, there's plenty of things to still be a part of. And maybe mm-hmm. you can give us some ideas on that in a second, but but for you to take it so personally and and boil it down to to relationships, both with them, you know that mm. that was a significant piece for you, um, but also really, really implementing on what that looks like for your relationships here and what you want because of some of the things that you learned over there. And mm-hmm. and I think what a what a neat way to have engaged with the Lord and for those to be some of the things that He's kind of reflected back to you. Mm. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who have felt helpless um, and who feel, you know, looking at situations like that. But what, you know, what can we, what kind of questions can we ask God? And, you know, as you've yeah. asked some of these questions to God, these are some of the answers that you get. And so, so friends, if you're, if you are encountering some difficult things that you don't know what to do with, um, take the time to engage and stare those things in the face and, mm. you know, ask the, ask the hard questions um, because Jeremy here is is proof that that God is is at work in answering those things if we're willing to sit and reflect, mm. um, and not even just by yourself, but with other people. You know, reflection doesn't need to be a solo thing. But um, I just think, wow, like you've had this transformative experience, and it, you know, you continue to do the work that you do, and yet um, you've got a heightened sense for these other things. And I just mm-hmm. think that's I think that's really neat and. Um, simple in a way that it's uncomplicated. It doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just means that, you know, a lot of these things I think that God has for us to do aren't complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships, yep. you know, that's a, it's a simple answer. Not, it's an uncomplicated answer, but what that actually looks like. Yeah, to implement that day by day. And yeah, yeah. But, that, but that relationships are, are what's valuable and important and so how do we how do we do that well and how Mm -hmm. do we look at these situations and you know make some of those connections with some of the questions that we ask and engage engage in with in with the lord so Mm -hmm. i just yeah i just have really appreciated um really appreciate so you've been home for a little bit what are some of the pieces that are still sticking with you well probably everything i talked about today yeah yeah (laughs) That might have been a yeah. redundant question. Yeah. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, just, uh, uh, and another thing, well, maybe we're getting into like, you know, how people can respond in, in prayer requests or whatever. It. But like, obviously, this has been going on a year and three months or what uh, whatnot and continues to go on. And so the people, the Ukrainians are just tired. Mm. Um, even those that are not, again, directly in the war, they're, they're tired. Our partners are tired. Um, that's something that, that could use prayer because um, day every day like Chad and Mary and her family and, and our rest of our team there are constantly figuring out okay how what are we going to do next how are we going to help these people uh, it's just a huge mountain of, of of aid that's needed in different parts and then emotional the emotional trauma of hearing these story after story after story as well so like emotionally they're just so tired and can use prayer for just like times of actual rest and just emotionally and spiritual rest as well um, so that they can continue doing this work for sure. Um, so that's been on my mind too, just even personally for me to be continually praying for them. And th- the whole last year from the beginning of it, I mean, I've been praying for them, but now to actually see it mm-hmm. firsthand, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, this definitely is on another level of things that are challenging and need prayer. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is true. Thank you for those, thank you for those things. I think yeah, the sustainability mm-hmm. um, of the people on the ground mm-hmm. um, for the people that are offering the help mm-hmm. um, and who are being sought out for help. The um, as much as they are are in a strategic position for that, it, it, there's a cost and there's a there's a toll and. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much how much really can a human bear? Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and yeah. we we know that it's more than we think because we are supplied by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't feel it acutely at times. And so mm-hmm. that is an excellent way for that we can be that we can be praying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just I think of the story of Moses and the you know and the two guys on a side lifting up his hands like it wasn't mm-hmm. about wasn't necessarily about the fight it was about mm-hmm. you know part of that story for him was about being lifted up when he was tired mm-hmm. and there's there, we don't don't ever underestimate prayer mm-hmm. um, don't ever underestimate too even I think reading scripture out loud mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. if we just read it in our head when we this and this might sound weird and, you know, I don't, don't care if you think I'm weird. Um, but I've I've been in places where we just read scripture out loud because I'm convinced like evil, like the things on the evil side can't read my mind, mm-hmm. you know, and so they don't necessarily know the depth to what I believe. And so I think there's something really powerful for me. And, yeah. you know, it's praying things out loud and saying scripture out loud. Um well, that's beside the point. Yeah, um, but yeah, so for sure, th- ways that ways that we can continue to pray and, and support and help for sure, prayer mm-hmm. for the sustainability and empowerment mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, wisdom. Um, I think even too like the, the 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 ability to be okay with not being able to help everybody, mm-hmm. and um, I I don't know. I would imagine again, I'm putting myself in places that I've never been in, but to feel not like to see the need and not being able to fulfill all of it mm-hmm. um, at the yeah. same time and having to pick, you know, quote unquote, pick people. Yeah. Um, yeah I just that's think, hard. I think that's just incredibly hard. Um, what are some other ways that people can support and help? Um, donations for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, we had incredible support uh, last year for sure throughout the year. Like we raised over $3 million directly for Ukraine aid which is amazing. Um, but, you know, as it normally goes, you know, donations kind of trickle off after mm. a while, and especially when it's not in the media as much. It's just right. not in front of our faces. Um, but donations are greatly appreciated. Um, without them, I mean, we won't be able to buy the supplies and, and give the aid. So, um, so yeah, definitely uh, check out our website, hungryforlife.org. Uh, there's a donate tab right on the top right, and then kind of follow the prompts uh, if you so, you so feel inclined. Uh, but yeah, I would say donations is is key for sure, and then uh, even even actual uh, like physical donations. Like we, there still is a team of people that that collect donations of of clothing and toys and different things like that throughout the year, okay. and uh, either ship them over or bring them with us on these on these trips. Um, so yeah, you can get in contact with me if you do have donations to, to give in that respect as well. Okay. That's, that's awesome. Those are, those are real practical things to do. And maybe this is something like your care group can, can Mm. talk about or, uh, your friend group or your mom's group or, you know, whoever you hang out with, um, it's something to be, something to be involved in and, and to be praying for collectively. So, um, and I would even just, I guess, ch- just challenge us even too. again, this is this podcast initially started to be about, you know, how do we deal with hard things that we see, you mm-hmm. know, or that we're aware of going on around us. And I hope I, I hope that I become less ostrich like um, and more engaging because um, I think I would be a better person, a better human, a better Christian um, and engaging with these things differently and. So seek people out who've been in situations and ask them some of these questions. Um, ask the Lord, you know, how, how do I process this? How do I not ignore this? How, how can the situation make, make me a better Christian to my neighbors, to my family? Um, because I think it's in these, some of these smaller things, too, where we see the transformative work mm-hmm. that, that will go a long way in, in um, I'm not going to say bringing about world peace, but into making Christ just a little bit more known. Mm-hmm. And and we all know that the reality of living with Christ mm-hmm. is so much better than than not living with him at all. So Yeah, I, I, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, just as a little side note here, but uh, throughout the distributions, it wasn't, it wasn't just about giving people aid. Um, there was also um, like... Mary and her family are very musical, and so they would always be singing songs to people. Um, and mm. a lot of times those were Christian songs. And so thanking God for certain things mm. and, and whatever. And so there's always that kind of spiritual component to to the delivering of the aid and stuff. And, and really cool to, to see people grasp onto that, um, that the hope isn't just from the hope of getting through the war, but that we have hope in Christ. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I think I heard some some of the singing on videos that have been mm. kind of around. So HFL has a Facebook page. 
Um, so check it out because they've they've got some podcasts on this as well. Um, they've got updates, you know, that you can scroll back through um, just to get, you know, just to get a picture. Um, but yeah, some of those, I think some of those pieces were on there. It's just really, really, really beautiful ministry. And, and so I think we'll leave it, we'll leave it there. Jeremy, thank you so much um, yeah, for sharing pleasure. some of your experiences. And I know that, again, sometimes processing, processing this takes you know, take some time, but I, I just, I do pray that the Lord will be with you in, in how you navigate some of this stuff and just knowing what places to put some of these thoughts and emotions and, you know, memories of experiences in and mm-hmm. that he continues to transform you, mm-hmm. um, to be the person that it sounds like you really want to be the mm-hmm. Christian that you want to be in and how you interact with the world. And so friends, mm-hmm. um, we've got a lot of other podcasts on here for you to check out some great encountering, the Holy Spirit stories, life in the Spirit. And we've got missions updates, all sorts of things. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking it out with us. And if you have any questions, please feel free to give me a call. If you wanted to get in touch with Jeremy, you can do that through me and uh, we'll get you set up. But even if there are some things that you're you know, having questions about and you don't really know what kind of questions to ask, um, please send me an email, holly at mycac.ca, or give us a call here at the church, because these are the conversations that we love to have, and we don't ever want you to feel like you're alone in how you process that. So, so let us know. But anyway, friends, we will leave it here, and we'll see you soon.